This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Lenovo. See more at Lenovo.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 404, Not Found. 404. Uh, I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. I'd like to welcome you. Uh, oh, by the way, it is June 15th as we record this. I think I forgot to mention that. It is hell on office day. <laughs> uh, no, 404 AC not found. Yes. We why, are, why do I stick around here again? Know. For the like, third day in a row. Now there's not even air conditioning. Ken comes in the room and the office starts stripping clothes immediately. It's very awkward. I, like, as I is tradition. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> They had to turn down the lights, otherwise the reflection was if, too if high. I, if Alan and I look, like, shinier than normal, it's the sweat beating up on my forehead every 12 minutes. The AC has been out essentially since Friday. Yeah. Uh, we've had AC repair people out Friday, Monday, Tuesday, and today. Uh-huh. Uh, and they know jack all. And today, today the, kind of guy was, the guy was kind of like, uh... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll be back next. I'll be back tomorrow. And we'll try putting some oil in it or something. Yeah, I'm like awesome. So I went. I went to my house, and uh, when I was working exclusively out of my house, I had a. Um, it's a Whirlpool freestanding air conditioning unit. It's like a mini fridge. It's like a it's mini fridge, but it's an AC unit. It's essentially yeah. a, a window unit when you don't want to have a AC thing hanging out your window, but it still has an exhaust out the window. And it hasn't done jack. Actually, I am very curious. Uh, can can you check what the temperature is sure. on the thermostat back there? I just want to see if it has even decreased one I degree. I bet it's gone up. It's probably you bet gone, it's gone up. up. You know, it reached 88 earlier, and I'm pretty sure we went back to the future for a while. Let's see. What do you got, Ken? Uh, 85. 85. We've actually gone down three degrees. And I think a lot of that is because the t it rained outside yeah. and the temperature outside was yeah. reduced dramatically. For context, it's 70 degrees outside and it's 85 in here. Yeah. Is it really 70? Is yeah. it really that low? I just looked it up. Okay. That's, yeah. So it's 70 outside. It's 85 inside. This is the, it makes it very difficult, nigh impossible to test new graphics cards like I need to do when I have to say, oh, a room ambient temperature is 88 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have been avoiding that. We were seeing some thermal throttling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's real funny. These GeForce GTX cards are awful. Yeah. These cards suck. How dare they throttle? Um, so anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, we record the show on Wednesday nights at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at PCPro.com slash live. If you want to join us for the live show, we really would uh, love for you to do it. You can subscribe to our live stream mailing list. Um, I feel like I should change the name. The word mailing list has like too many negative connotations, right? This is, this is our PC Perspective Live notification center. Uh -huh. right? And where we'll send you an email when we're going to do a live event today. We sent it out about 9.15-ish or so. Let you know when we're going to do uh, this podcast. There's a little gentle reminder. Hey, don't forget... It's Wednesday night. And if we do other live streaming events like we did for the GTX 1080 launch, uh, when NVIDIA's Tom Peterson was out here, we sent out notifications a, a day or two in advance of that as well. So sign up for that list if you uh, like us, or even if you don't. I don't really care. Just sign up for the list. Um, also, uh, in uh, support of uh, regaining air conditioning, we're going to start a Patreon campaign. It's at patreon.com slash pcper. It actually has nothing to do with air conditioning and everything to do with creating creating content um yeah so we have a for patreon a church well, yeah for buying churches yes Ex but the church has working air conditioning as far as i know two 
two HVAC two of them. I guess one of them technically didn't work when we went that, for the inspection. That's true. Uh, but they will fix it before we before we take uh, take uh, ownership. Ownership. There you go. Thank you. Um, so uh, we are running a Patreon campaign. The idea here is to uh, go to our readers, our viewers, our, uh, our, our listeners, and say, hey, if you like the show, if you like the content we create, um, help us out, support us directly. It helps us uh, both in bringing on new people, keeping people. Uh, it allows us to maintain uh, that Ken has to show up on Wednesday nights to do this damn show. Um, so Alan doesn't have to do it by himself as often because we saw how that went last week. <laughs> I just kept seeing frantic messages about everything being broken. It was all broken. Ken, Ken, One, Ken, Ken, hey, Ken. I Ken. was I was literally in the office about eight hours beforehand. It was all fine. Yeah. Then Josh I left would, like to, Josh so, would like to tell you. So they, so we were streaming and we had like the pre-show going and stuff. And like I went to get up to go check to make sure that the other streams the machine was streaming. And that's when all the guys heard a weird bzzz sound. And so I think like, I wasn't even sitting at the desk when it happened. You can never get up. And it just, yeah, I know. Never get like, up from the I'm desk. not allowed to get up, apparently. <laughs> um, number one. So, and as is tradition here now, if you uh, increase or create a new contribution to our Patreon campaign, I will read whatever name you put into the system. Um, you know, the notifications come up to my phone, so I will read your name throughout. So and so has uh, contributed, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month to our Patreon campaign, and uh, it can be whatever you want. And we'll we'll just have to deal with that. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll go. I'll that. do burlesque for a hundred thousand a month. How yes, you will. Will, will it cost for you? Did not two hundred one hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, we well, I guess we need to start calling this our weekly service as well. Yes. Now that I've actually we we're starting the process of purchasing a church. Mm-hmm. Um, IRS regulations. Indicate that we should have weekly, regular, occurring services. It doesn't have to be weekly; just regular, reoccurring services. The IRS, we're not doing a profit. A full yeah, profit. but it's, IRS is still the one that defines whether or not you're a church in the eyes of the federal government. So, oh. um, we're not going to go for tax-free status. That's much more complicated. But so, welcome everyone to this week's services. Uh, we're going to talk about technology. There you go. See, we covered all of our bases now. All right. Uh, first up, let's uh, look at real quick. Sebastian posted a review of the Corsair. Void surround 7.1 channel gaming headset. Corsair has um, they've been doing audio for a while now. I'm trying to think, Josh, when when they actually went into speakers for the first time there because their first foray into it was actually pretty good. Yeah, um, that what the SB 2500s. I think that's what it was. I used those for a really, really long time. Basically, I since they came out, I still am using those I, on the test machine out there. I think that was the QuakeCon that we got the all of the AMD processors. So it's been a hot minute. Yeah, if it was the QuakeCon where we got like the hundred APUs to give out, then yeah, it's been a long time. Um, so they've continued that, and they've had headsets before. This is not their first headset by far. Um, this is a as Sebastian writes here t- combines traditional stereo headset with the Dolby headphone enabled USB dongle, right? So it's actually an analog headset uh, with just traditional stereo connectivity, but it comes with a USB dongle that enables uh, the 7.1 channel interface, and then you plug your headphones into it, right? So you can see that in the shot here, where here's your little USB dongle and the and the connection there for your headphone slash slash microphone. Um, interesting design. I, I kind of like the design. They're fairly minimalist. They're a little bit smaller than, um, let's say, the Logitech G633, 933s that we've looked at recently. 
that are quite bulky. Um, they're still, these still aren't, you know, they're not earbuds here by any stretch, uh, but they, but they appear to be a little bit, uh, smaller in that regard. You've got a volume control located on the exterior. It's a single cable. Um, so it's a single three and a half millimeter plug for, uh, uh, the headphones and, um, microphone. And that's good for, uh, if you want to use this headset for like an Xbox 360 or 360, <laughs> Xbox one or PlayStation four, whatever game or an Xbox one's. Xbox One is right. Either one you want. Uh, the ear cups are attached with, a, uh, as Sebastian calls, a very substantial swivel system. Substantial, uh, and uh, you can see there the kind of slight clicking of uh, uh, of the expansion of the headset here. So he is uh, far and above the the more musically inclined, audio inclined between uh, he and I. So I'll let you read some about his sound impressions and conclusions in the review. He actually goes through the Q software as well. Um, Corsair Utility Engine is what that stands for, by the way, Q. Um, but if you already use other Corsair peripherals, apparently, this is all kind of integrated into it. So it's nice that it's all one piece of, of software. You can do your EQ setting, enabling, disabling Dolby headphones, surround effect, that type of stuff. Uh, but there is no RGB lighting on this model that we reviewed. I don't know that's funny because that's what Q is for. Oh, right, for keyboards and mice. <laughs> I'm literally shaking. What year is it? How could you They not? don't have RGB? How could they? I think they have models with RGB. This just isn't one of them. That's unacceptable. I know, it happens. It's 2016, Corsair. I agree. I agree. Wake up. Except sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, the headset, you know, like I said, you can't use the surround sound capability if you're hooking up to an Xbox, PlayStation, something other than a PC, uh, that has to have that, uh, that dongle in use. Um, but it does, he actually did notice a big difference. He said there's immediate change with the Dolby headphone feature enabled. The sound was instantly wider, more spacious. Directional sound effects were very good in games. Um, though he said he did use the movie theater EQ preset for these tests. Uh, and bass was a little better than the stereo listening thanks to the EQ boost there. Um, so it, it, they're actually pretty good. It's a pretty good headset in terms of audio quality, in terms of features. It's not as fully featured as a lot of other headsets we've seen, but in terms of the price, 79 bucks on Amazon as he wrote this. Uh, solid construction, good comfort, um, depending on the head shape, obviously. Josh, sorry, I can't really help you with yeah. that. Uh, yeah. And convincing surround effects using the included USB adapter. They describe it as a hybrid product since the void surround can be used with and without the USB adapter and with game consoles. And it uh, did pretty good with that. So it got a gold award from Sebastian, which is pretty good praise for an audio product from him. Um, gold! So, yeah, so if you, uh, if you are looking for a new gaming headset and 79 bucks is inside your range, go check out the review of the Corsair Void Surround. Uh, also, real quickly, I'll mention if you are on the look for a kind of a, a, a mid-range power supply, Lee did post a review of the Silverstone Strider. It's a titanium series part, so it's a very high-efficiency uh, power supply. Uh-oh. Something happened, Ken, because I'm on a different page. Um, I don't know. Uh, Try let's see. How about now? It. Nope. Try Wouldn't it. be a podcast. Try Wouldn't. exiting it and entering it I again. will exit and then enter it. Um, so this is... Yeah. Careful with the PSU doing that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Look at that big some, cap. It's doing some funky stuff. I think it's Chrome. Um, desktop presenter. She's right. a big Do you one. see me now? Can you uh, see me what now? What page are you on? I'm on the desktop. Nope. We got desktop. You don't see it? No. 
I still see the same page. Podcast gear just going on strike because it's uh, too yeah, hot. just because it's because it's warm. I guess we'll just should I reboot this machine? I'll yeah, reboot this machine. Um, so that's uh, I, I don't have the thing up anymore. What was the price? Somebody tell me the price on the power supply. It's a titanium unit, so I expect it to be a little bit uh, more expensive than what some people may think a six hundred watt power supply should run. Um, that was one hundred and forty sound. That sounds a little bit high for six hundred watt power yeah. supply, uh, but again, it's the titanium efficiency that you're really paying for there is you're paying for the higher end componentry that gets you uh what is that but titanium is probably what 96 percent plus efficiency oh yeah i got the number 94 it's, it's 94 96 so it's it's well well beyond when the program started i remember when 80 plus first began right so and well back in the ancient days when we were playing with bitcoin we sort of showed that it saves you pennies over a year yeah it's it's not yeah. significant for sure do you see my desktop now uh yes no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. That's all I wanted you to see so far. Yeah. But but if you think about it, not necessarily the efficiency saving you money, but you're buying a power supply that's obviously made with very high quality components because it's that's true. Yeah, it's titanium certified, and if you think about it, who needs more than 600 watts these days? You can run 1080 SLI with yep. whatever yep processor you've got. Probably like, 600 watts would be a stretch for 1080 SLI. Would it? I mean, you're looking at 180 watts each part. Mm -hmm. So 360 plus 90 for your processor. You're talking about five. You go up to you know plus SSDs, hard drive maybe. Mm. And you want to leave yourself a little bit headroom. 600 would be a, a maybe. 700 would I think would be comfortable. It was an interesting. Um, I just think people overbuy power supplies. They do. Days. They don't realize. Yeah. Just All, everything has become. Everything is becoming more efficient. Yeah. Right, and sometimes, like, it, like as what you see in Lee's reviews, usually when you plot out the efficiency versus the power delivery, yep, like there's a sweet spot, right? Like there's a chunk usually Absolutely. somewhere in the middle, right? So um, I, I would I would bet that most people that not only are overbuying power supplies, but they're like you might hit the sweet spot when your system is at full load, which is yep. fine, but here's, what about here's when it's his at idle? Efficiency like, curve in the graph, right? So. Uh, it's, oh, that's actually at the lower end on that one. Yeah, it's actually like huh. 20. But between 20 and 50, your efficiency is essentially unchanged. And after 50%, it kind of it kind of yeah. drops down. Although between 20 and 50 is where most people would sit with not most with the, the same time. graphics card. Uh, yes. Some hard drives, yeah. a 90 watt yep. processor. Yep. At a single, yeah, especially with a single GPU. Um, it was an interesting. And even better at that point, it's dead silent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Like these guys don't turn the fan off completely, which uh, I totally agree with Lee is probably a good idea. Just keep it moving very slowly, so there's still yeah, it's not, it's not going to affect you can noise levels if you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty plus titanium, by the way, is ninety percent efficiency at a hundred percent load. Okay, but it uh, ninety four percent efficiency. Eighty nine point eight. <laughs> ninety four. Yeah, there you go. Ninety four percent efficiency at fifty percent. Mm -hmm. So. It's good to have. That's actually an interesting table to. And another thing is, the more efficient your power supply, even though you're kind of splitting hairs at that point, but if you can like drop the temperature of the components in the power supply by like 10 degrees, mm -hmm. like every 10 degrees, that like doubles your lifetime, right? Of mm -hmm. electronic components generally, sure. right? Yeah. Um, Oops, and power supplies so are the kind of thing that office, you know might fail. It's going to be about three hours, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of these in this office right now die before the end of the podcast. Yes, everything. This is it. This is the last show. Everything's just four oh four. It's an appropriate it's, it's place to be gone. End yep, yep. Everything on. Um, so check out the review if you are looking for and a very efficient, not modestly priced part, but a, but a good power supply, uh, nonetheless. Uh, from from Lee here. So did it also got a gold award 
relatively expensive for 600 watt and no master on off power switch which is interesting yeah that's pretty I annoying to do that um so moving on to uh our next story we're going to talk with alan about the crucial mx300 yep crucial normally known as the budget priced yeah. arm of the micron crucial group yep, yep micron also makes ssds they just tend to be more oem integrated kind of products right or, or she use something or more imaginative like he's the captain nemo of ssds um but he but he's not i was talking more about the mx300 talking about the I was, company oh, okay. not a company i trust yeah, me yeah, yeah. Well, i was just trying to get some you know dissonance going on in there. I, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense what the hell he's the nemo star trek red shirt of ssd yeah. reviews sure sure yeah, yeah. oh frequently I'm going to throw it in that case and it's going to be the first one to die (laughs) (laughs) wait that's me yeah so uh, let's talk about the crucial MX300 it's this is I find it's interesting they're only releasing it in one capacity so far well whatever they're They're going to come out with other ones but they're releasing releasing it as a 750 gig drive launching yeah. With just one capacity, yeah. yes. That's and a weird one. capacity, too. You don't normally see that capacity in SSDs. Yeah, it's an odd True. Yeah, True. I've never seen a 750. You've oh, seen you f- have, too. No, I've always gone 500 uh, to 1 terabyte. They've maybe. made Evos 750s occasionally. Okay, so here's why it's an oddball capacity. Yeah. Uh, they're Please specking it for all of the 16 dies running in TLC mode. And TLC, th- you know, 3 bits per cell. Right, that's gives you, for triple. Gives you, on most flashes, on most flash memory types... Uh, it gives you an odd capacity. Okay. Right. Um, you know, if this was all MLC, it It'd would be, be one terabyte. It, no, it would, it would be 512. Oh, yeah. the other way. Yeah. Or 500. Yeah, yeah. Right. Gotcha. You know, so, two versus three. Yep. Yeah. Kind of like a bireme versus trireme. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All you Greek yeah, historians yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's, uh, <laughs> so there's a few firsts in this drive. Uh, this is the first time we're seeing uh, IMFT 3D NAND. Intel Micron. Flash Found, technology. Flash technology, not yep. foundry technology. Yep. Gotcha. That is their joint thing about, you know, a little bit over a year ago is um, when I was out of town and they did this, hey, we're going to do this little press conference thing. And it turned out to be, oh, wait, crap, we're doing like 3D NAND. Picked the perfect time to announce it. Um, so we've been waiting for that to come out in something. Uh, you know, Intel talked about it possibly coming out in some drives, but they're not, they're not here yet. Wouldn't have, they're not sampled. They're not shipping. Yep. Um, so lo and behold, this is it. Like, this is first shipping consumer uh, 3D NAND from these guys. Um, it's, I had some concerns about what the write speed would be of Intel slash Micron's you know, 3D NAND. Is Especially, that because of this dynamic retru- write acceleration? This is separate? Separate. separate. The just, the, two, okay. just the NAND in yeah, general, yeah. right? Um, I had some concerns on what the speed would be. I'm not um, okay. However, something that they designed into this NAND when they made it is most NAND is uh, what's called dual plane. Okay. Okay. So each die is split up into two sections. Each section has its own like little buffer on the front end. And so if you go to write to that flash, it goes into that buffer and then you tell it, okay, you know, write to this area. And then from the buffer in the background, it goes from that buffer into the flash, okay. which takes a certain amount of time, right? It does. But if you have dual plane, you can actually do stuff with the other plane while one is busy. No gotcha. way. So it's, you know, kind of multitask within a single die, right? A flash. Uh, their flash to kind of get around this potential problem. Uh, this is quad plane, so okay. each die twice as many places yes. to address. So seven hundred fifty gig, 
across only 16 dies, you would you might suspect there would be speed problems because that's not that many dies to spread that capacity across. Okay. Right. Uh, however, effectively, they've doubled that compared to what their previous flash would have done. Right. Okay. Each die would have had two planes yeah. before. Now each die has four. Okay, so that helps. Does that get you? Uh, if you're writing straight to TLC, this drive can do 300 meg per second. Compared to, what did it do before? Well, but there, there wasn't a before. Well, it yeah. had. Is it just a straight doubling of write performance then? Since you're, or do you think it's it no, is? No, no, some... no, no. It's not doubling. That's the thing. Uh, like, first of all, we don't have much uh, IMFT running in TLC mode to compare to. Okay. Right, because typically those drives ship MLC. Um, but you know, like a uh, 30 meg per second per die is typically like a you know a decent number. You kind of want it to be a little bit higher, but like that's kind of a roundabout okay. number, right? And this was going calculated off of what we saw, 19. Okay. So it's going a little bit slower, but that would have been like nine had they not doubled, you know, for this very drive, had, not, had they not done quad planes. Right. This would have been like 10 mic per second per die as okay. opposed to 20. Right? Okay. Um, so kind of good there. Uh, but there's some other tricks this thing can do, and that is it's doing the dynamic um, DWA, which dynamic is dynamic right acceleration, acceleration. Right. They're implementing that. They're doing it a totally different way than they did it in the M600. Now, we reviewed the M600. It was like sometime last year. We reviewed it. It was just kind of up and down on its write speeds. You didn't know if you were going to be writing to SLC or to MLC. Right. It didn't really act like most of the other hybrid drives do, which is where they have a static SLC cache, and it always empties as soon as you're idle to drive at all. Yeah. So you basically, most of the time, you're writing straight to SLC and going full speed, right? Um, the M600 didn't do that. You could start writing to that drive, and if it happened to say, well, I want to write to MLC now instead of SLC, like, it would just go the slower speed, right? Uh, which was kind of annoying. Um, sure. This drive behaves a little bit differently. <coughs> it, can still, it still is not a static amount of cache. It's still not, like, just a sectioned off, you will have X amount of SLC. Okay? Um, okay. However, it's more aggressive about making sure that during idles, it does have SLC available. It, it's making to. sure that during idles, it's clearing out space for... It won't necessarily have to clear out space because this is dynamic write acceleration. It's doing what Micron kind of cooks into those dies. Okay, I remember this now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So it, they start out all SLC yeah, convert and, over. And th okay. So this drive when new starts out, like I think up to like 60% of it could be in SLC mode. Yeah. The thing I didn't know until doing the coordinating with Micron on this drive, because they had some bugs they had to work out early on and actually push the launch, mm -hmm. um, and we were working with them on it, is that it's not a die that flips. It doesn't have to empty a die of flash and flip it from mode to mode. It can actually program at the block level. It can change those blocks. So a block is something like 6 meg, something like that. Right. It can just say, okay, you block over there, you're not... TLC, your SLC. If it's empty, it can do that, mm -hmm. right? And at the block level, that's super, super granular. That's just like, hmm. you know, so that means that the drive can maintain the parallelism across all the, all the dies it's writing to. It could just say, well, I feel like writing to all of them in TLC mode. So it just puts them in TLC mode, like, as it's writing to them. Okay. Okay. Um, and this drive also does a couple of things, like if it sees that you're going to write bulk sequentials to it, just, you're just dumping a bunch of files on it. You're just filling it, like right. at max speed, right? It will intentionally go, okay, wait, 60% uh, of the drive is in SLC mode. If I fill all of that in SLC, and it looks like he's really just going to fill it front to back, right? 
I'm going to kind of screw myself over because now I'm going to have 60% of the drive in SLC mode. I'll have a little bit of TLC left, and then I'll have to start in the background shuffling stuff around to open up. Okay. Like to flip the SLC back over to TLC mode, right? Right. You don't want that to happen. So if it detects that, um, it will preemptively switch gears and write straight to TLC. Any idea like what that cutoff is? Like it's like about if you saturate it full speed writes at SATA for like about ten or fifteen seconds. Okay. It starts moving ahead. It just shifts to TLC mode. The whole thing. It just it just you're you're from that point on. I see. Your writes will just to go TLC. to TLC. I see. Now okay. you will drop from like five hundred microsecond down to three hundred microsecond. Right. But the argument we make on stuff like this is where are you getting the stuff at that speed anyway? Like, you're right. not downloading at 300 meg per second. Sure. You know, if you're, and if you're doing a bulk copy from something else that could go that fast, if you're just trying to mirror one drive to another mm-hmm. or something like that, which is, you know, a thing that could happen. Something right? people do. Yeah. Um, cutting it off after, you know, 20, 30 or so seconds at the top speed and shifting to TLC helps it in the long run because if it didn't, it would get caught with its pants down. Right. Halfway through filling the drive, if it tried to go, Josh's for, worst nightmare. It, yeah, I know exactly. Um, <laughs> One of them. So basically, they or did a bunch of favorite. They nightmare. did a bunch of tweaks to improve the dynamic rate acceleration so it doesn't behave poorly. Okay. Um, and you still get the advantage of it. You still get SLC cache, you know that sort of thing. Um, and you should have at least around ten gig of that cache, even if the drive is completely full. So if you've completely written everything, you should still get a little bit of that cash. Okay. Right. But potentially you could have more is, is the advantage that they have over, right. over the other drives to do the static thing. Um, performance. I mean, it looked good. You know, file copies, nothing out of the ordinary file creation. Everything was going like right around at the top of, of the spectrum as far as comparing to other, mm-hmm. other SATA drives. Um, SATA drive, be SATA drive. I mean, SATA drives at this point are, you know, pretty much saturating things. Um, and I think, even though this re- this steps away from full speed, like when you just do bulk writes to it, it only drops down to 300, which is really not that bad of a speed, right? honestly. Um, and we saw a little bit of odd stuff going on on the latency percentile tests on writes, specifically. Um, what page? That is just, there's only one page for the latency stuff. Gotcha. Um, if you look... At the beginning, though, you look at the reads, which is go down to like, no, keep going, like um, two more. Go past two more. Yep, past that one, past that one. There you go. All right, so if you look at the reads there, you'll see like the drives that I'm comparing against are pretty much all doing the same thing. They're all Samsung controlled drives, just in the comparison. I didn't have that many drives in there. Um, But then you'll notice that that blue line over to the right is the the, MX300, right? Right. and that's a log scale. So that's basically, the latency is basically double. But the reason the latency is double is that this drive is only doing about half of the IOPS for random read when it's completely full. Now you have to realize that the drive is completely filled, 100% full when okay. we do this test. Right. Um, so something to consider, read latency for random access is slower. But again, this is a budget drive. That's where, like, they're not going for like super, super speed here. They're just going for reasonable performance. Um, you know, for an SSD that's three quarters of a terabyte capacity. Um, but then if you go down to the, uh, if you go down to the random writes, which is like the next cluster of charts there. Yep. Uh, it actually starts trading blows with, there you go, there's QDEF1 and QDEF2 is underneath it. Just open up the QDEF2 one. All right. Um, 
And if you look there, uh, orange is the uh, not yet written up uh, 500 gig Samsung 750 Evo. Right, which is their budget drive. Right, 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 right. So budget drive to budget drive, you've got blue versus orange there, and they're kind of going back and forth on how their latency behaves. Okay. Right. You can see, you know, the blue is, uh, you know, the MX300 has more of the time was spent doing lower latencies compared to the 750 Evo. Right, I gotcha. Right. Um, and that same thing held true all the way up to QDAP32. Gotcha. Same thing all the way up. Um, which is, you know, that's good. IOPS were good on rights, which you might not expect because of that dynamic right stuff and all the kind of things you, you might think get in the way. Well, that's all stuff that they worked all the bugs out enough to the point where they can actually compete with Samsung drives here. Um, so pretty good. So, um, the thing that we thought wouldn't be good actually turned out great. <laughs> and the thing that is normally not an issue, which was the read latencies was kind of an issue, but not horribly so it was still low latency it's just not as low as samsung so it's interesting to me because it's actually a little bit of a different sata ssd like normally when we see new SATA ssd it's like okay yeah 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 what's the price right they have interesting technological differences yes in this so that's good but it's still at the end of the day comes down to price it does so what is the 750 gig mx 300 going to cost me msrp 199 it's pretty good that is msrp good. is 27 cents per gig yes that's the starting price. And when's it supposed to go for sale? Do we know if it's... Uh, uh, I think it should be like... You should be able to find it by now. Let me check the Amazon. No, MX300 brings me some... No? Office inkjet printers. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, crucial. Oh, there it is. In stock, 199 Well, there you go. There you go. So starting out, MSRP, and it's actually on sale for that, which is good. That's... Um, pretty, it's pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty good price crucial for an SSD. Drives usually end right? up on sale pretty well yeah. too yeah and decent sales too yeah yep and um yeah i mean where is so like the 500 gig 850 evo is 154 on amazon yes okay. uh so 850 evo even though you might also consider hey it's an evo so it's kind of a budget drive it sure. really isn't that drive is yeah, a yeah. very good performer um, that's actually the yellow line in all those latency percentile gotcha. charts, and it just it kind of makes fun of everything else in the comparison there. Like the latency was just way better on that drive, um, but you're paying more money. You know, uh, if you really want to split hairs on, sure. What's a terabyte eight fifty Evo cost? Uh, it's three hundred nine. Yeah. Okay. So you're paying a hundred bucks extra over for another hundred fifty gigs. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's not that much better of a deal in terms of cost per gig, but it's but. It, I think that 750 gig capacity puts it in a really interesting sweet spot of like 199. It does. Is a very 199. <laughs> yeah. As Josh knows, is a very addressable price. Yes. Right. And so, if I say, oh, I can spend 199 on an SSD and get 750 gigs, which is probably more than enough that I that I need for my games and my stuff and everything except long term storage. 300 some 300 plus is now it feels like it's a more significant investment. It's 100 bucks, right? And yeah. yeah, you can get SSDs obviously for less than 199, but um, in terms of capacity for that, that's it's that's pretty good. So hence the editor's choice. Yeah, I it's mean, a combination it's, I, of those things. I can't really, you know, it, again, it's not the best performer, but for like the budget, someone just wants to put a a cheap SSD that performs decently in their gaming system. 750 gig, plenty of games, right? Yeah. Put oh, your yeah, OS yeah, on there, yeah. plenty of games. Um, it just seems like it's in that sweet spot. So, uh, yeah. And as far as like other capacities that they make, 
because what they're doing now is like um they're doing eight packages two dies per package like try to think of the other capacities they could do there they can't really go to 500 because that's an uneven number of dies then right so they'd have to go to like half of 750 if they wanted to do that 375 gigabyte 375 (laughs) um or they could just double it the other way could do it they they could double it the other way and that gives you 1.5 terabytes that's obviously where they should go which is also a nice yeah 1.5 terabytes of 400 bucks or cheaper or cheaper like that could be nice yeah right i'm Um, with it i'm down yeah very cool uh check out the full review that is on pcper.com as well uh josh me uh, you just posted literally moments before this podcast moments. began. Uh, Arm introduces, how do I pronounce this? Eagle? Eagle? Eagle. Eagle video processor. This is a 4K, 120 hertz processor for mobile products. What is interesting about this, uh, this IP, I okay, guess? Okay, that's, that's the top of the line version. Now, they've got multiple. Uh, basically, Arm has gone through and they've redesigned their, their video encode decode processor and they've improved upon it pretty dramatically so they've taken out some of the older codecs that just aren't used anymore right put in some new stuff they've beefed up the encode ability and they've also of course you know beefed up the decode so you could do at max in it first of all it's, it's a scalable architecture so if you have a single core it can do a max of 1080p at 80 frames per second decode and it can also do some encode at that same thing. But the top of the line is the six-core unit that can do 4K at 120 hertz, which is pretty impressive if you if you think about uh, you know how many megapixels per second they gotta they gotta render in that. Uh, it's something like 970 some odd. But anyway, it's it's an advancement. Uh, they've they've added more codecs, uh, VP9. Profiles, uh, it's ready for uh, high dynamic range. Hmm. Everything you could possibly seemingly want. And plus, they're part of kind of the open codec uh, group, which uh, they, along with Google and uh, a couple other guys, uh, all do these royalty free codecs that they're trying to you know get out and uh, get better supported so that they don't have to pay these strange outrageous fees for you know some of these things that are that are uh royalty bound mm-hmm. so it's a a solid and neat thing so for example it could do simultaneous encode decode so if you're running a 4k decode you can also encode up to four 1080p 30 frames per second streams which if you think for a mobile device that is pulling maybe a watt half a watt uh that's that's a lot of work being done. It's all fixed function. It's not really programmable. So I mean, that's you know some good and bad there. Fixed function is is usually more efficient, and uh, it requires less programming. Uh, also, their firmware handles a lot of the stuff going on. Uh, they're going to be supporting under first Linux and Android. And who knows what they'll do after that. Uh, possibly these will be seen in TVs around the holiday season. But uh, ARM is uh, expecting these to to initially be released in 2016. They didn't give us anything more granular than that. But, you know, they found that the video is one of the, the bigger workloads that uh, 
is used on on mobile devices, whether it's tablets or uh, you know your your cell phone that can easily do 4K in, in some situations, and yeah. and certainly uh, what I think my G3 is 2500 by 1414, uh, 1440 or so. Um, products like this to to do full resolution video playback in in smooth style is is something that is certainly needed and and they're they're advancing that forward and uh you know as as we have these mobile devices that have the really dense screens and more people doing you know whether it's facetime skype uh, google hangouts uh the the ability to be able to encode and decode at the same time and not just totally destroy your battery it's a big one and so they have introduced this. It's a big step up from their previous ones. It 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 is compatible not only with the latest uh, G seventy one processor. I think it's what Midgard. I can't mm-hmm. remember so many damn code names. But it also is the previous Molly parts, uh, the T eight eighty and below. Uh, some of the older generations that some people are still licensing. So it'll work in those. People can input this uh, this IP into their products fairly easily uh, if they license it from ARM, and and they get a big jump up in functionality. And because it is scalable, they can really aim it and target it at multiple markets without kind of breaking the bank. bank. Right. I mean, nobody had needs to have a, a 1280 by 720 smartphone having a full six core um, video processor on there. You could easily get done with with one. Or two, depending on on the usage, and so it's 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 a nice thing for its partners. It's another source of income from ARM, and uh, certainly the way that they're implementing it, it, it seems like it's an easy shot for uh, for cool. them with the Android market as well as TVs running on Linux. Is there any? Do they kind of point to any specific tie-in? Like this video processor has to be tied with any certain generation of Mali graphics. Or can it, it, it can be, be run independently? T80 and below, depending on, you know, I don't think it's going to be, you know, like the stuff that goes from three years ago. But uh, certainly in the last two years, those Molly graphics, it will be compatible with. They just need to integrate it into the design. Um, of course, it's it's going to be working perfectly fine with the, uh, the G71 that will be coming up in 2017. But... Yeah, they said this is going to be a 2016 product, so we're going to start seeing stuff here in the next couple of months with uh, cool. previous generation Molly. Very cool. Um, before we get into our news here for uh, the week, I do want to mention that we did have a uh, a Patreon pledge edit up to 10.99, up to 10.99 from uh, David Bendel. So thank you, David, for watching and supporting uh, PC Perspective. 10.99, as Josh would say. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So um, we're going to get to a, a couple of things here that I don't have specific news posts, but I wanted to mention at least briefly and talk about. Uh, E3 was going on this week uh, in terms of hardware-specific news. <clears throat> there wasn't. There were a couple of interesting things. One, actually, Sony didn't talk about anything in terms of their Neo hardware and, and their uh, uh, improved console that was going to be coming out in the future. Well, right? they said it existed before the show. They admitted it existed, but they didn't talk any, any more specifics. Yeah, they said they that. weren't going to talk anything at E3. Uh, Microsoft, on the other hand, actually talked about two new consoles. One of them will be out in August, uh, the Xbox One S, which is a smaller, slimmer design. It looks a lot better. I th- 
It's in white. I don't know if it's only white. Is it only white? It'll probably eventually be It'll, in black, yeah. too. It looks nice uh, the way it is. Um, and they didn't talk about really specific uh, specification changes going from the Xbox One today to the Xbox One S coming out in August. But we are coming up on the fourth. No. Are we in the third year of the Xbox One? Didn't it come out in 2000? Did it come out in 2014? So we're only like two full years in to the lifespan. Yeah, I think of it. it's only two years. Um, so Microsoft didn't really say anything about it, but uh, a developer, the developer from uh, uh, that did Gears of War four, Rod Ferguson, I think is his name, was doing an interview and said that they actually have tested it, and the Xbox One S um, shows you know fewer uh, frame drops in uh, tough situations, tough. Uh, graphical sections and areas of Gears of War 4 than the Xbox One does, indicating that there is some performance advantage. He claims that there are CPU and there are GPU improvements in the hardware going into the Xbox One S, which is interesting, right? Because Microsoft didn't, uh, they didn't bring it up. They didn't really want to talk about it. I'm going to find uh, the link here that Scott linked me to. Uh, it's on a Polygon.com story that's uh, the titled... <laughs> Games can perform better on Xbox One S. Yes, correct. Uh, so the actual quote here is, according to Ferguson, the Xbox One S has additional raw GPU and CPU power compared to the Xbox One, and the coalitions, that's the developer, engineers, have been able to take advantage of that to reduce the frequency of frame rate or resolution penalties in more demanding sections of the game. So there clearly is some hardware difference um, in the AMD silicon of the Xbox One going to the Xbox One S. Um, the other thing that they announced, which is a s much more significant, is they talked about Project Scorpio, which is another Microsoft Xbox console. Mike, Microsoft said today that there's no hardware change. Like, that that's not true. Really? Yeah. Okay, I that's interesting. Huh. So I Microsoft says that it's not true. The developer of Gears of War 4 says that they can absolutely take that there's additional raw cpu and gpu power maybe see here's my thing I, my guess would be throttling that there is performance difference like there is some improvement just like silicon improvements over two years have occurred uh maybe they just kind of boost the clocks a little bit okay so i'm i'm actually reading the statement yep saying the xbox one s this is extra gpu and cpu so it does have that it's not there to prove improve performance but to enable hdr support okay so like hdr decode hdr decode Abilities. 4k d 4k output yeah so yeah. the the xbox one s does add 4k and hdr right yes yes so okay so like it, that that makes sense there could be a little more cpu and gpu power there to enable that which means that the dynamic resolution adjustment isn't happening as often on gears because yeah. it isn't having having to yeah. throttle as aggressively maybe yeah, that, that, I mean, my guess is that it's very minimal. Whatever the performance de delta is between the two consoles. Yeah. What's not going to be minimal is the difference between Xbox One and Project Scorpio, um, which I thought was a little bit surprising how much detail they talked about about Project Scorpio. They mentioned specifically a 6 teraflop rating for it, um, which is significant. Um, that's more that's than, up there. Uh, it's more than the RX 480, the upcoming but of course Radeon GPU. CPU and GPU, right? No, they said 6 teraflop GPU okay. specific. Yeah, and so. it's 8 cores of CPU up from 4 cores um, today so as well. So this would have to be... Uh, what's the next AMD architecture? Polaris? No. 
Uh, Vega? It almost Vega. Had to be Vega, right? I'm going to say it's Polaris. Eager. But haven't we already seen the biggest Polaris in the Yeah, but we don't know what the clocks are, right? Remember that AMD says that uh, Polaris 10 is greater than um, 5 teraflops. And okay. if you look at the clock speeds, it can, there's a way for it to go from 5.1 yeah. to 5.9. Um, hmm. Also, keep in mind that this is, pro this is still... I, I, would, I would be surprised if this were not an APU, right, Josh? Yeah. Do we not expect this to continue to be an APU, not like discrete CPU, GPU? Now say that again. We would still expect this to be an APU design, yeah. right? Oh, like yeah. it's not. Yeah. They're it's, not going to suddenly a, revert back to discrete. One, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not going to be having separate uh, dies on a substrate. It's it's going to be one yep. big so, old honga thing. So it's interesting because they're talking about releasing this in holiday 2017. So we have a year and a half before it's going to come out. And there's all kinds of things that that puts into the air, right? Like it could be an architecture past Polaris. It might be a Zen-based processor core. They've already talked about Zen-based APUs. Right? Like it no, it doesn't have to. It but could it be Jaguar crazy. still. It could, they could double the number of Jaguar cores, increase frequency. It seems so crazy. This, this turns out the CPU is not that important, as it turns out to gaming. <laughs> That's right? why we're if all running AMD processors. Gigahertz Jaguar eight core. Yeah. It's going to be doing everything perfectly fine. I would, I, think I would that think that's so. probably yeah. what they're going to end up doing. There was a guy. There was a video somebody posted recently on YouTube uh, playing the new Doom on a Pentium CPU. I saw that Pentium oh. four. Yeah, yeah, and it was decently <laughs> playing decently. It wasn't super it's fast. It's six gigahertz too. It's, you know, <laughs> so the. Uh, <laughs> The, like the Project Scorpio thing is interesting to me because it brings in all these questions, um, and the six teraflop rating is actually very impressive. If you if you look at uh, our GTX 1070 review, which I will go back over here and click so I can make sure I get these numbers right, the GTX 1070 at its base clock is rated at 5.7 teraflops. That's more than that. It's more than that. Now it's an AMD GPU. We we've talked about this uh, when we did our RX 480 preview where the the teraflops to gaming performance of an AMD GCN architecture is right. a little bit um, lower ratio than okay. than the the than Pascal or, or Maxwell teraflops to gaming com uh, performance okay. actually equates. But that being said, it's still um, at least a, close to it. It's above what the R nine three ninety X is at. The R nine three ninety X is at five point six teraflops. Yep. All right, so that's that's a pretty good comparison of what to talk about. We're talking about three ninety X plus performance in a console and that's really impressive but um for we're a pc site and I, and I feel like i should point this out in a year and a half <laughs> we're gonna it's have true. beyond 10 teraflops gpus yeah. easily right like yeah. i would ex i honestly would expect right so the the gtx 1080 is 8.2 teraflops at its base clock not its boost clock at its yeah. base clock yeah the the 1080 ti whatever that happens to be It'll is going to be, be above 10 yeah. Right. It'll probably be ten or above. Yep. Uh, and there will have we'll have probably another refresh by then as well. We'll have the higher end AMD stuff. Mm -hmm. We'll have Vega by Vega then. Vega by yeah. then. Um, so it will still be impressive, but it will. It's not. It's. I keep waiting for this moment where some console vendor will be like, "Remember the PS3 when it launched?" And Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like it you're wrong. It launched with a GPU that wasn't out on the PC yet. Or it, it was announced with a with a GPU that wasn't out on the PC yet, and it was like when it when it was announced, it was matching top level GPU performance. Now, obviously, the GPUs on the PC kind of went forward and yeah, it came out, but they took a really big chance, and that's why that system launched at six ninety nine, I think, um, 
and they took a big chance there, and it didn't really pay off for them, as it turned out. The Xbox 360 ended up being the, the winner of that generation, I think. Um, so this is still a big jump. If the Xbox One, I think somebody told me it was rated at 1.4 teraflops, <laughs> right? I think that's what I think that's right. I want to make sure I get that right. Um, but if that's the case, this is a significant increase. But it will be it will be four years. Yeah, We're, we'll be into the fourth year of a, of a project. Um, so it's you know it's it'll be good, but it's not going to blow away any system that you that you guys. Uh, are, are building today. Let me see. Uh, 1.31 teraflops is what the Xbox One is. So an increase to six is significant. So I'm very curious how they're going to what was make this backward compatibility rating of the 360 of the Xbox 360. Yeah. I wonder Ooh. what that jump was. Uh, it's pretty big. It was like a 270 yeah. uh, megaflop or whatever. Gigaflop. Yeah, gigaflop. Yeah. Let me see it's what the story megaflops. says. Yeah, mega, I gotta um, back ways for that. Xbox 360 is 77 gigaflops. Eh, that's probably about right. Oh, I mean, it's God. only what 48 uh, shader. Yeah, but consider this. According to this story, again, this is an IGN story. The uh, Xbox 360 was rated at 77 gigaflops, and the PS3 was rated at 230. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that was that whole emotion engine thing with seven the, uh, single threaded the little, cores, with the the supposed what seven uh, uh, extra little mini cores. Yep. Yeah, that were garbage, engine. and you could the never SPS run two. more than two at a time. Otherwise, you would just choke the processor. Yeah, God, what a yeah. garbage architecture! <laughs> it it's going to be was. in your refrigerator. Um, <clears throat> so that's what happened at E3. It, it's pretty cool stuff. Like I. I play console games. I play PC games. I'm excited for that. Um, we're excited to do a teardown of the uh, Xbox One S. Hopefully, yeah, to come out of retirement. Kids have to come out of retirement in August to to come do a midnight stream where we go pick up the Xbox Re- One at retirement. Best Buy next door. Um, so we'll do that. And the other thing I wanted to mention that we don't have a specific news story on that I wanted to talk about is uh, stock levels of the GTX 1080 and the 1070. Um, oh, okay. Not great. We had some come out today, but for only I about mean, 15, 20 minutes. Did we kind of expect this might happen? I mean, really? I yeah. expected it to happen. So, yeah. so here's here's the thing, right? There's two angles to look at this. Here's the here's the two angles. Oh my God! There's a shortage. They can't make they can't make them. They don't know how to they don't know how to manage business. They don't know how to produce cards. Nobody can buy them. Nvidia is the worst. Or the other side to look at it is NVIDIA can't make enough to keep up with demand for their card. I think the latter might be what's going on. I'm sure it's both. Like, clearly, if you're at a sold-out state, you would love to have more to sell. Yes, right? obviously. They're clearly... Well, and they also want to get it out to the public as soon as possible and start making back that R&D. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're still at the very, very beginning of, of products coming off the line. Uh, they're doing new testing there do new integration with with board members and products and it's just it's just going to take a time to ramp up i mean it wasn't like it wasn't like some other prior launches that we've seen where like just nobody could get them it's actually like every right? other prior launch we've seen for nvidia yeah. in a while for nvidia it has been yeah, like, like where this it's, just happened when the 980 and 970 launched it was an amazing launch and yeah. it was hard to get cards yes right and, and they were so cheap they were they were at or below MSRP. 
Absolutely. Wait, I think there's on some the sarcasm there. Yeah, <laughs> no, they okay. were charged was, a huge premium, just like yes. they are this time. Yes. Yeah. Hell, it, it happened with the 680. So there's like there's a story from uh, Anthony over at Tweaktown that says you know uh, the 1080 cards are above 699 are and supply issues question mark and clearly there are supply issues. The question is is what is the source of the supply issue? Is it truly that Nvidia like made an architecture that is bad that they can't produce enough chips, or is it that their supply issue is a good issue and it that demand can't is make high, them fast enough? Right? Um, like, so like, because one thing is in no short supply is enthusiasts willing to buy them straight <laughs> off. No clearly, price. clearly, like, because they're buying them. We see them come in stock and they go out of stock within an hour every time, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm getting tweets all the time from people about, hey, this is in stock, hey, this is in stock, right? Because there's a lot of people checking for this stuff. So that, so that means but that there's it, a very simple business 101 thing here, right? Of supply and demand. Right. You want to supply just enough to meet demand. At an optimal price. Yeah. And if you're NVIDIA, you want it to be a higher price. Like, sure. the, the highest price you can get for the product. It's like, this might be the reason for the Founders Edition. Well, Correct. <laughs> right? But if you have too many, they sit on the shelf, and yeah. it looks bad for you. So there's, that's the thing. Well, we know right? they're not sitting on the shelf. If, if, there were, <laughs> if you went to Newegg and there were 12 1080s in stock today, yep. is that good or bad? Like 12 individual ones, you didn't know how many were there, but you knew today, right now, you could go buy a 1080 at MSRP, what's that I mean, tell you? That would just tell me that they were keeping them in, in stock. Right. It doesn't tell you how many they're selling. It doesn't tell no. you anything right. unless you are getting those specific numbers. Right. And, you know, I get pinged from people, and if you, people and you from don't have AMD, the numbers from like, me. say, hey, yeah. look at the story, look at the story. They're having issues. And I, and I just can't, I can't get behind the idea that there's something wrong because NVIDIA is selling them. Like, I see them show okay, up here, and they go to yeah. sale. Here's the long and short of it. There is nobody else that is Intel. Right. Intel starts producing <laughs> these things. They've got all these warehouses, and they just start stocking up. And they just keep quiet because they don't have any competition that they, they, they need to you know release new stuff. And so when they make these products available, typically, and this didn't really happen with the 6700K mine. True. But typically, they just flood the market with as many chips as they can sell at the price points they want. Now, mm-hmm. how many how many of the new X99 platform chips have you ever seen not in stock? Never. Right? Like Yeah. Sure. But they have the the comfortable seat of we don't we'll just put it out there price and we'll just wait because we're Intel and we make 4 billion dollars a quarter. Who yeah. cares if the inventory sits? And you don't have people that have been waiting on the edge of the seat for an upgrade for the 6700K. So yeah, because regardless, the CPU upgrade is that. just not yeah. the same. Yeah, and and one uh, Zephyr in the chat is saying like, look at what the iPhone does, right? The iPhone when it first releases is hard to buy. Yep. But On nobody, purpose. but nobody says, oh my God, Apple can't make they them. They can't make them. Like yes, you can't make them fast enough, but that yeah. doesn't mean you're not selling enough, or you're not selling what you plan to sell, or you're not selling what you wanted to sell. Like, there's a lot of people that have 1080s and 1070s. Like, they have them. Like, like buddies of mine have bought them. They yeah. got them in. Right? Yeah. It's not like just, oh, my God, we can't make them. We have supply Obviously, issues. Obviously, the, the, the thing that would answer it is if I said, hey, NVIDIA, how many 1080s have you sold through? And they would give me a number. But they're not going to tell me that number. No, they're not going to tell you right? that um, I was told from some people inside that at, at, at add-in card vendors that they expected the supply of the 1080 to be about equivalent to the supply of the 980 Ti when it launched. 
Okay. Right? And the non-ATI was a very successful product. Sure. So I tend to see that as a good sign for NVIDIA yeah. that they're selling it. Now, 1070s are a different issue. I haven't, I was kind of out of it when those launched. I was coming in and out of San Francisco during that, so I don't really know how that worked out, like the Founders Editions and stuff. Um, about the same. Is about the, is it about the same? About 1070 is uh, different chip, right? The same chip, just you know, fewer shaders. Different memory. They just are. It's right, deep, they're they're blowing fuses. Essentially, they're, like just, they're just yielded down. They're yielded down, down chips. Okay. Um, so it's the same GP one hundred four die. Okay. Yes. Same die. Um, and it's GDDR five memory instead of five X. What's funny is that that actually means that it's just this balancing act. Like if one is doing really good. Right, like the other might actually be doing bad because, like, if they just have great yields, right, they just might not have, have enough to, 1070 have, chips. But they like, would, you know, if you have an abundance of 1080s and you're going to have too much of them, you would just purposely cut some down and go down to 1070. I guess you would do it. You would. I mean, if that's the product you put out there. Yeah. But that's all decisions they've made a long time ago. I just, I don't know. Hey, hey, guess what? Couldn't buy Fury X when it launched. Yeah, that too. True. Yeah, but we had other bitches and about the AMD the Fury launches X was are a that bit coil different. Wine. Well, like, so, I mean, I mean that's, that's here's the thing. separate from if you could buy one. Or right, right, right. So here's the thing, right? Here's the question. On June 29th, the RX 480 will launch. Yep. There will be some for sale that day. Sure. How do we determine if it's a successful launch? Is it that they all sell out or that they're all in stock? And then like, if they, all, if they this, all sell out, do you email that same guy that from, the, from AMD that emailed you right now? Yeah, I would. Like, but, hey, but what's, like, what issue is this you now? You can't make enough of these. From the, from the outside, <laughs> from the consumer point of view, us... Anybody who's not Newegg, who sees a sell-through, sure, it's a binary state. Yeah. In stock, yeah. out of stock. Yeah. And you don't know the buildup to either of them. Yeah. Right? So, and let me tell you, after being four years on 20 nanometers, there's a significant buildup. There's a huge buildup of huge. desire oh, yeah. for GPUs, yes. We're there's used to 14-month refresh. Uh, from from years and years that remember when when uh, AMD and and Nvidia would have six to eight months on a pretty significant speed bump like you know the GeForce three to the GeForce three Ti yep and and those kind of bounces we haven't had that in I mean certainly from the six eighty to the uh, the nine eighty it's a pretty good jump but that is mostly architectural. Uh, work and design and it is not that big as compared to taking a two process node jump with these 14 and 16 nanometer products yeah but like there's a blockage in the channel maybe a stone in the stream if you will and there's a lot of us looking for a new release right it, it yeah it would just be nice to do a nice upgrade cycle right now it's like yeah yeah, Nvidia's launched ish, but I ain't even gonna touch it. So can till- so so goodness knows that there are no new and interesting games that have come out in the past four months nah. that you would like to have a new GPU with. Ken pointed me to a link on WCCF that says it is from eleven months ago where AMD claims that uh, the Fury X is out of stock due to high demand and that HBM and Fury X were ramping up as expected. Right, so this well, you what, can't make them fast enough. They just couldn't make them fast enough to get them out there. So it's it's a bouncing. And I did see somebody in the chat. Uh, I think his name was a Bill M. Says Nvidia stock price is how you tell how they're doing. And Nvidia stock price is as high as it's ever been in the entirety life of the company. Well, that's 
Stocks, it's not. It's not. Stocks but have it, a bad habit of like. It's an indicator like, of you know what people in the market think they're doing. Sure, it's what people think Correct. they're doing. Right. It's not necessarily what they're actually doing until their earnings get. Have out. you seen stock forums and chat groups like if there was a shortage and they're only selling four thousand of them since launch? People in the people in the Yahoo uh, stock forums will be talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it's 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 just one of the things that we get comments about all the time. I get tweets about it all the time, um, and I wanted to make sure that we addressed it in some manner because it's just it's just incredibly hard for us to track. And 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 I and I hate shitting on a company, whether it be AMD or Intel or Nvidia, for having stock or no stock for yeah. some amount of time, because. Because demand might be high. Like, oh my God, I can't believe NVIDIA, you're the worst. You don't have any 1080s in stock. And they're like, look, we've sold 25,000 of them. That's just more than we thought we'd be able to sell in the first month. And I, I'm just making up numbers, obviously, but I don't know. I think, so this is like what? The first week that it's... The 1070. An issue? No. No, like, it's been it's been an issue since launch. For 1080? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's been an issue where it's been in, out, in, out, in, out. Right? So... What's the, what's the service that lets you know about, <laughs> like, new? is there a Newegg stock service website type thing? What's that, what's that website people go to Camel, Camel, Camel doesn't do that? No, yeah. there was one you used oh, to look for the monitors. Now in stock. Now in stock. Yeah. So if you go to nowinstock.com and... Uh, it might be .net. I'm that's, sure. Yeah, don't go to not.com. That's not the right place. <laughs> not. Uh, but if you go to nowinstock.net... And look for a product. You know, sometimes they have things listed. Sometimes GTX they don't. GTX 1070 is like the first automatic fill yeah. from Google. Pre-order and in stock. So th- keep that in mind when you're looking around at things. I just I, I thought it was it was worth touching on. Uh, and then we'll we'll run through our the rest of our uh, news items. Wow. Everything's out of stock. Yeah. Yeah. Except I mean, for pre-orders. Yeah, pre-orders. Whatever. It's only from Amazon from yeah. one vendor or something. Yeah. GTX 1080. Let's there's see. There's stock available on eBay. There, yeah. Yeah, it always tells you there's stock available on eBay. People uh, are always gouging on eBay. So out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Stock available uh, eBay. All models. Yeah. That's crap. 1080? Star. <laughs> ships from China. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, well, they all technically ship from China at some point, right? True. You're Not just getting direct, still right? still so disappointed. I, I have to tell the story. There I was back in 2005 in Walmart and I was wandering by the electronics section Okay, and they brought out four Xbox 360s and they put them in there and with the sign first come first serve okay this is when they were eBaying for sixteen hundred dollars yeah you should have Christmas. bought them and eBayed them and so you bought four I Xbox would, well I would just been fired from my previous job this I had was, no money in the bank this is what no. credit cards are for that yeah. at that night. Yeah. oh my that's what credit cards are for they didn't know that yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man very sad could have had could have had a, could have had a really nice holiday that year but Indeed. didn't yep. have the uh, alright let's get to the rest of the stuff Asus um, uh, apparently showed off at um, where was this at was Computex? this at Computex uh, a prototype of a 27-inch, 4K, 144 hertz IPS gaming monitor, um, and this picture came from, I guess, VR Zone. Uh, you can see here, doesn't have a name, doesn't have a model number. Uh, and it's 4K, 144 hertz. Obviously, that makes it. Does that make it DP 1.3 or yes, 1.4? At least. I don't know what the difference between 1.3 and 1.4 is, honestly, because both Pascal and Polaris talk about. 
supporting 1.3 slash 1.4, like they're both doing both. It fits yeah. within the spec for 1.3. Okay. So, yeah. um, so, Alan, you want this monitor? I want it, but not in a 27 inch. What, what do you want it in? I want a 40. Why? Because now he has that 40 inch and he thinks it's. Oh, no, here's the other thing. I have a 27 inch, you know, four, 14. 4K you know, at 27 inch is a little bit too much. Yeah. No, it's you know, you, you, you not barely for gaming. need AA. It's not with for that. gaming. I would, I agree. Like, but but for normal use, a, a 4K monitor on a, in a 27 inch form factor seems a little dense. Yeah, it's too small. Until too small. until yeah. but, but see, if, you can't say too small because scaling should fix it. Scaling doesn't always it, fix it in Windows, but right? Scaling, 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 work. scaling sucks ass in Windows. It doesn't but, suck. Yeah. It doesn't suck anymore. Mm. It's it's, it's oh. not it's not perfect. It, it sucks. It's not great. It's not it's not perfect. But like it's every better. every laptop that ships with a thirty two hundred by eighteen hundred resolution screen has two hundred and fifty percent scaling. Then on. you so you it's have to doing use it. something, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's working. I bet no, I can't talk about that yet. That tablet over there, I bet it has scaling on. Oh yeah, probably it's oh, probably I'm sure on. it does. Yeah. It has to, right? I don't know. Stuff looks kind of small on that screen. Yeah, maybe they're only doing 150 percent scaling or something. But so but I agree. Thing, I, like, I don't if this need, were like, 32, it would be better for me. Yeah. Even yeah. Like if anything, 25 by 14 on the 27 inch panel I got in my house compared to even the 25 by 16 30 inch the Dell that I came from. Right. Like even the 25 by 14 27 seems small to me. Like on the yeah. small side. Yeah. Like, 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 what do you mean by the pitch is noticeably smaller? But the, it has less less pixels, and it, and it's like it's still smaller, it's still a smaller pixels. Pitch. It can't be that much different BPI than your other one. Then what? Your your thirty inch the Dell thirty twenty five by sixteen. Yep. I, I can't think that you're kind of crazy. I think th- I think twenty five by fourteen twenty seven inch is probably perfect. Twenty five by fourteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. Which is probably is probably perfect where you don't need scaling and the 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 pitch is fantastic and that that monitor in a 37 or a 40 or a 43 take my money. Yeah, I would pay like not a monitor. Yeah. What? Only only crazy people have a 40 inch monitor on their desk. <laughs> just, I mean, it's, it's I'm true. looking at you. You're talking to at least two of them right now. Like who else has, has a 40 inch Seiki monitor? Pro 40 inch. I, yes, but you use half of it. Does that count? Huh? He uses all of it in Excel. You don't use the top <laughs> half of it because you. I use all of it in Excel. It. Yes, yes, because every square inch of that yes, sucker. Yes, but if you're not having an Excel document full screened on that thing, you're only it's using true. half of the monitor. Yeah, no, I, it's a little bit I close for that, but yeah. it, actually, the monitor should be able to be lower than your desk. Yes, it would take it would take the stand off of it completely. Um, so, no word on if it's FreeSync or G-Sync. I assume it will be one of them. ASUS has a really good relationship with Nvidia on that side, so maybe that's. What we'll see it as. I mean, so. I, see, I see Josh's point on that you don't need AA, basically. Oh, uh, no. you sort of do. Or, you know, if you're, if, you're, yeah, if you're picky about AA saying, okay, but it's probably just 2X you could probably get away with. Yeah. Honestly. On, uh, on, yeah. You know. Yeah. 16X would not be needed. Yeah, the pitch is so small, like, it's hard to see, you know, aliasing at all on the yeah. thing. Well, let me... It's something like, I think, uh, someone said about 4K at 12 inches is where... We can't really notice aliasing with with the way our, our vision works. 4K at 12 inches at what size? But how far away? Yeah, but only, but I mean, we're talking about... 4K, how big a screen? Yeah, 12 inches enough to sniff inch it. screen. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's. I mean, it's still, we still have a ways to go before we don't need anti-aliasing. But you certainly need far less at 
4K yeah. and 27 inch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to a Lenovo launch event where they announced a couple of products. Uh, the Moto fabulous? The Moto Z, which I, I got really excited because they showed uh, the Ro- the Razer, the Motorola Razer, and they're like, in the spirit of. And I was like, shit, they're yeah. going to make a new flip phone. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> did, you, did you see the teaser video they put out a few weeks ago? I don't know. It was essentially it. like it's a Razer ad. Was it like really? it was a bunch of people in like a high school set in the early 2000s and they're all on their <laughs> razor and like cut back between people walking down the hallway. Oh, shit. So what they actually. Uh, oh, no, that's that thing. Just okay, an Android smartphone. Yeah. So but it, but the, the reason they 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 brought back the snap or something was because it has magnets on the back and mm. you can add, you know, how the G5 has modular parts to it. Yeah. The LG G5 had like this modularity. Yep. It was kind of clunky because you had to take the bottom of the phone off, which means you had to take the battery out. So you had to reboot the phone each time. Yep. Theirs is like pogo pins on the back. Okay. Uh, not the pins, but like the contacts for it. The pins are on the thing. Yeah. And then four pretty strong magnets so that they'd latch on. Okay. You don't have to reboot the phone. Uh, they announced um, a mini projector, a Bluetooth, like not a Bluetooth, but like a set of like stereo speakers that attach to the back of it. They actually sounded pretty good. You know, that's along the lines of those other little desktop device things that they were. What were those things? The, the stackable the Lenovo stacks. Yeah, yeah. It's the same exact same, same idea. Same kind of thing. It's the same idea. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, a battery add-on to it as well. Sure. Um, and so it was. It was. It was cool. It was neat. Uh, we'll get those in eventually as well. Uh, but they also announced Lenovo Fab Two uh, family, the flagship of which is the uh, Fab Two Ultra or Fab Two Pro, which is a Home Improvement uh, Edition. Google Tang, yeah, a Google Tango device. Okay. So Google's Project Tango, now just Google Tango, was the idea of using depth and uh, 3D cameras to measure spaces and to um, basically, I guess the idea is Google wants to measure the spaces around you and do interesting things with that. Is that their, com- that their, is that their competing thing to the Intel? It's um, like real sense, but it's room scale it's way better okay it's way better right like so this- so did you uh did you introduce yourself to nicole curtis i did i did not is that her real voice yes she sounds like that who are you talking that's about? not that's not just an I act no or something idea. okay no. i honestly didn't know who she was until this event uh but i was sitting next to somebody and she came on and she was the one who demoed the um the phone that wrapped around your wrist. They had like a prototype yeah. of a phone that had a flexible screen that wrapped around your wrist. With the smart shoes back? Uh, I think she did the smart shoes too. Oh, nice. um, but she has this very high-pitched, squeaky voice that I thought, like, I, like as soon as Are she started talking. Are we talking about the same person? Because Nicole Curtis uh, does, does house flipping. Oh, no. She takes no. dilapidated okay. houses. Nope, no, and, we're not talking uh, the same person. Turns them into, you know, mansions. I still did not introduce myself to her either. No, okay, I'll well, look up the name of the girl that I'm talking about. She demoed the wrist cell phone, and she had a very high-pitched, squeaky voice. And I thought, that's not, it's probably not real. But nobody else said anything, so I kept my mouth shut. Um, but the Fab 2 Pro has four cameras on it. It has uh, a depth camera on the back, as well as uh, stereoscopic cameras. And the idea is, so I actually did a demo of Project Tango at Mobile World Congress in, in Barcelona. They took us to a museum and they gave you, it was in a tablet at that point. And it, you know, it's been given the information about the space that it's in and it's like sets up a personalized walkthrough of the museum for you. And it, and it paints the walking directions on the floor. 
as you walk around so the building. AR. It's AR, yeah. essentially. And when you hold it up to the painting or a sculpture or whatever it is you're looking at, like it would point out specific things, touch here for more information, cool. back videos. It's a really cool idea. Um, and the Fab 2 Pro is now a 6.4-inch phone yeah, huh. slash tablet, right? 6.4-inch, 25.6 by 1440 IPS display um, that has the 10K abilities built into it. And it's interesting. So it has a 16-megapixel fast focus, uh, a depth sensor, and a motion tracking sensor. Uh, the depth and the motion sensing tracking sensors are for Tango. And then it has a front-facing um, one as well. Well, they got the name right. Yeah. But Fab. So, like, the, <laughs> the, the reason that the girl that Josh was talking about was there, who is, does shows on DIY Network or HGTV or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Where she does, like, house repairs. Um, this phone's going to be sold at Lowe's. Um, and, like... Among other places, I assume. <laughs> Best Buy as well. Crap, I gotta go to Lowe's. Give me a line and around the block. Hardware and Home Despot <laughs> and Revy and Rona and uh, Walmart. But it's gonna be sold like as a tool. And the idea is that this would have, this is what we were talking about when we were going through the new office space, where yeah. I was like, this would be really great because I want to measure this whole space yep. so that I can take the data and then like lay out how I want to set up the office. And the Project Tango. Are, are you gonna do that with your church? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That's what that's what I'm talking about. The new office. The it basically in, in, when you go into a new space, if you want it to map it, it creates a point cloud uh-huh. of the entire area as you walk around it, and you don't have to like stand in a spot and then make sure you're. Oh, a it's just spot on the fly point cloud. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's actually badass, right? Yeah, and you just so, go, and you do this, and you just kind of walk around and make sure it gets enough data yeah. from all the different locations, <laughs> and then it will create this point cloud of the space that you're in. That's, and that's then you can sweet. do all kinds of stuff with that data. Um, like one of the demos they had there was. Uh, um, a dinosaur type exhibit, right? So like you could use it. And again, it's all AR type stuff. You say, put in a Tyrannosaurus Rex in my living room and it will do that. And so it knows the space and it will walk around and you can scale it up and down to full size to, to, you know, 10% scale or whatever. And you can walk around it with the phone, obviously, and kind of look at things. So it is an AR system yep. um, that has some pretty cool applications for it, right? They, they showed you, uh, they showed it with uh, with what's her, what's her name again? Curtis, Nicole, Curtis. Nicole? Curtis. Yeah. Like you, you. Uh, the reason Lowe's would have it is like they have an application for it that will say, okay, it measured your whole space. Replace uh, all the carpets with hardwood floors, and it will show you what mm-hmm. it looks like on your phone. And say, okay, um, can I fit this piece of furniture there? Right, yep. and, it, yep. and it because it knows all the dimensions, and you can place it and rotate it, and then you can walk around it and see what it looks like and how much space you have. It's a really cool thing. Um, and then the, you can set it in VR mode and just walk around with glasses and pretend you live in that place. <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> I want to 3D print a model of the new office. There you go. Ooh. See? From your phone. Oh, yeah. yeah. With, the, with the point cloud, you can do that. Um, so I, I'm actually excited to get my hands on that because I think it has some interesting applications besides just being like a really giant phone. Um, it's $4.99, unlocked, available in September. That's uh, not... That's not a super expensive price. That's almost cheap for a new cell phone right now. I mean, it's reasonable. It doesn't have like a Snapdragon 820 or anything like that. It's got a Snapdragon 652, 4 gigs of memory, which is a lot, 64 gigs of storage with micro SD and that type of stuff. So it's a a decent phone otherwise. Yep. But this this Project Tango stuff is is pretty impressive. So there's other uh, devices in there if you want to check them out, but that's obviously the one that that stood out to us. Um, Let's see. 
Oh, this one was interesting. On a leak slide from Intel where they're talking about Cabby Lake. Yep. Some information actually showed about Optane crosspoint SSDs, right? Sure did. Uh, several different types as well. Um, so this seems to be how at least Intel plans to roll out crosspoint under their Optane brand. Um, and they're going to do it kind of starting at the bottom of that slide. You've got system acceleration. So they're kind of bringing back, from the looks of it, they're kind of bringing back what they did back in the day with that 20 gig SLC SSD that they... Remember that? I remember oh. the Larson Creek, I think, or something. Oh, yeah. Right? They, they shipped out... The a, caching a, stuff. A to- oh, for the Intel RST caching, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, for some reason, when you said 20 gig, I was thinking an enormous SSD. No. Like 20, 20 terabyte. Gig. I was like, 20 I gig that was just 20 gig okay. of SLC on their old 10-channel controller. Remember that? Um, and that and that that was only a uh, SATA two SSD, a three gigabit SATA SSD, and that's when six gigabit was actually like already out, and they were shipping this thing. But because it was SLC and it was so quick, it could still accelerate hard disks, right? Right. Well, imagine if you took that same kind of thing. Which I don't know for sure that that's what they're going to do, but imagine if you took Intel's, uh, you know, RST driver, mm-hmm. which they already you know kind of have everywhere, right? right. Their, their rapid response, their smart response technology, and stuff like sure. that. If you took that and had a thing faster than an SSD, in other words, crosspoint, a small crosspoint drive, so it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, okay, right? In other words, a thing called an accelerator, right? Um, oh yeah. Put that in a system. It's the bottom, those bottom blocks. They're the orange ones, and um, you know, plug that into a system and uh, maybe have it at a minimum have it accelerate your hard disks if you still have hard disks in a some kind of you know OEM-ish kind of cheap system, right? Imagine like what sixteen to thirty-two gig worth of basically RAM cache would do okay. to like a hard disk system. Right? I like it. Like most of the stuff you're running could just fit onto the the cross point, right? And then it would basically be like a RAM disk speed, not just SSD speed, RAM yeah. disk speed, right? It's mm-hmm. basically you know, um, and uh, they're not even and in, kind of in the same vein as they're only doing they when they only did SATA two on their caching thing before, their base models here are, are only uh, PCIe 3.0 by 2. Right. So the thing is, if you only have like 16 or 32 gig of something, if you do by 4, you're blowing through all of it in like less than a second. Sounds good. Well, not less than a second. <laughs> it'll, take you, it'll take you a few seconds. Sure. But like, you know, you're blowing through it so fast... Um, and that's not what its use case is for. It's not for sequentials. It's meant for, like, the random access. All of the little things that you're trying to read would be cached there. Okay. Right? You're not going to cache your bulk files. You're going to cache sure. your anything that's, like, random I.O. off your disk, right? Take all your random I.O., stick it in a thing that loves random I.O. Even better than an SSD loves random I.O. Right. Because they kind of don't love it if you do, like, random writes. Crosspoint, you can do, like, single-byte random writes to it all day long, and it'll just go, like, full speed. Theoretically, so uh, you know, cool idea. I don't. We don't know what the size of the thing would be, but I think that, like, you know, if you add twenty bucks to the cost of making some kind of uh, you know low end laptop or mid grade laptop in this case that has has a very large hard drive in it, but you have for twenty or thirty bucks, you have this cross point part on there, and then you have this caching layer going on. It could be 
so in like many cash for a hard drive instead of just a cash for an SSD. Well, it, it, I don't know if they're going to cash an SSD. You could also do that with this because it is yeah. again way faster yeah. than an yeah. SSD. But what right? would the benefit actually be? Uh, for random write performance, it'd be through the roof. On even against an SSD to cash <laughs> SSD. Yeah, it'd be through the roof for random write. Yes, but it would still have to be copied to the drive eventually. Yeah, I just no, I'm, it wouldn't because it's not RAM. Oh, That's right, the whole right, advantage right, of right, Crosspoint, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It, you're not worried. Power loss protection isn't even but a concern. When they did right? SSD caching, they still duplicated everything, right? Uh, yes, it was just a duplicate yeah. of it, right? But they don't have to do that with this. To. Okay. Um, Makes sense. Either way, like, you know, it could cache it, stick it on the solar drive later, whatever, right? But it would, it would be a very, fa you know, very much faster than what solid state would do. Yeah. Even PCIe solid state. So, uh, what are apart, they saying here? Apart from the accelerator things, you've got, uh, they're kind of skipping over mainstream. They don't intend to put that out in mainstream, even yeah. in like the near future from the looks of this chart. Yep. Uh, for that purpose, they, it looks like they just want to go with their 3D NAND and note that they're doing perps there, meaning when they do their 3D NAND products, it's going to be TLC. There is no MLC oh, 3D NAND yeah, box. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? They're probably also going to do the thing that like Micron was doing with the MX300 where you can make some of it SLC if you want. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they'll do some kind of... I don't know. But um, okay. uh, but if you up into the enthusiast workstation thing, they have other Optane products that would be meant to be like your primary storage for a system. Gaming. Uh, probably going to be expensive. Gaming. Um, and the thing all, that's also a question I, mark. I like the name Mansion Beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mansion Beach. If you don't have ones. one of those, don't bother. So, so Man <laughs> Mansion Beach is uh, by four PCIe 3. And then there's Brighton Beach, which is, again, like the accelerator was. It's uh, 3.0 by two. Right. Um, Gaming. Yeah. So if you think about like. I like how the next one over from Mansion Beach just says Mansion Beach Refresh. <laughs> yeah, just they're just like, you know. We don't even know. Some refresh of it later. We don't even, we don't and, even know. And we don't know if maybe those products would be like, Optane doesn't necessarily mean it's only Crosspoint. Are you, you sure? see what I mean there? Yeah. It could like, be a drive that it, it is Crosspoint and SSD. It could be a Crosspoint cache with a controller smart enough to be able to handle the, yeah. the caching and then like have a TLC. Yeah, because Optane is the brand not the technology. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, Even though it's called Intel Optane Technology, keep in mind that it is a brand. It is a brand. Associated it's, with it's, Crosspoint. It's it's the brand they started for Crosspoint. So I don't think you're going to find an Optane product that doesn't have Crosspoint in it at all. But I just think it would be smart to have like Crosspoint like with another tier, like a bulk storage tier Yeah, the or idea something. that in the end of this year, we would have an Optane SSD that's like 500 gigs or a terabyte that you might make your only drive oh, what like sounds improbable yeah i think it, that would be i think it would be very expensive what they said that there would be a p3700 level op cross point drive in like the end of 2017 or the end of yeah. well so the catch here is this slide does not cover enterprise well yeah but the main okay. but the enthusiast desktop part is probably the enterprise part as intel has done it there would be an equivalent, like yeah. yeah, it would do the same kind of thing as like the 750 and the P3700, yeah. probably. Um, I would imagine the enterprise part would just be like a crap load more of that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of that uh, cross point on a part. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it just what I'm interested in is something like 
even something like an SSD 750 or just like any NAND SSD right now, mm -hmm. if you took like 32 gig worth of cross point and you integrated it into that thing, you're going to make an enormous difference. Like, because that 32 gig, only like a gig or two of it would be needed for what the DRAM does now, which is keep track of all the, you right. know, where everything is stored, uh, flash translation layer, all that stuff, right? You could have that in non-volatile memory that's as fast as the RAM you've replaced it with, mm -hmm. and now you don't need power loss protection. You're just yep. not worried about it anymore. Yeah. Power went away. Who cares? Like, whatever... Well, I still kind of care. Like, my tables... But not because of My storage. tables didn't go away. They're just saved, right? right. And power was gone. Right. right? I, and, and that leaves you, like, another 30 gig or so to just make a cache. Imagine, like, an SSD with a 30 gig RAM cache on the front of it. Yeah. Like, that's awesome, right? I, I'm going to make a bet. I think they're going to be way more aggressive than that. I think... You think they're just going to go... I think it's just going to be a cross-point SSD. Just a cross... Okay. I mean, they could go either way. Yeah. I don't know what their yields are looking like or anything. Yeah, it just, it just but it's over SATA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the catch... The, the catch, legacy's great! The, the catch with Crosspoint, though, Ken, is that you don't, like, it's very die inefficient right now. Yeah, I know. It's, I just... You know... It's, I don't know. I think I think they're going to jump in. I mean, I think the dies are, like, 8 I, gig. I, I just die? think it's difficult for them to market something to enterprise that's a 38 cache, RAM cache on top of like. Well, for enterprise, I could see them doing like here's a terabyte of crosspoint yeah. or some crap. Like um, but it's not gonna be cheap. No, 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 it's not. All right, yeah. let's uh, let's move on. That's our crosspoint uh, uh, predictions. I didn't make it. I, I Wait, we we just talked about crosspoint. Sorry. Oh, I thought we were talking about X point. Yeah, I I passed out. I I was doing some shots. Bourbon. Buddy. Uh, you don't do shots. Yeah, it is pronounced crosspoint, by the way. It is. Uh, Jeremy, what was AMD's sneak peek at the RX series that they did at the uh, PC gaming show? I must say, even though I did not watch it, I get the, the worst feeling. Part, the worst part of the entire thing was when the guy walked on stage and Lisa Sue got the hacksaw and she hacked off his wrist to get the, the case out of his hand. That was really disgusting. It, it was, it was disturbing. disturbing. I'm just glad my ass wasn't numb during this year's PC gaming show like last I, year. I must say... Having, don't invest in chair padding at AMD. They, they just didn't, don't. They didn't. Uh, having, I did not watch this hey. year's, so this is me. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't think there was very much excitement at this much this year's PC gaming show like there was last year. I, I saw buzz and discussion well, from last year's. Last year... Well, whatever. Last year they did the product announcement, then the PC gaming show. So the PC gaming show really had nothing to it. Oh but. yeah. Was this the show where Nvidia was doing a giveaway in the Twitter and the no, thing? No, this is the AMD sponsored show. Oh okay. <laughs> so the exact opposite of what you thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the exact opposite. So uh, what? What did uh, we've got this picture here of Lisa Sue holding up? It looks like the four seventy hand of the Korea. yeah four seventy yeah. and the four sixty. All right. Okay. Or well. At least the 460 eventually does come with a fan on it. Uh, <laughs> maybe it won't. We don't know. Because uh, one of them, uh, the 470 will be about 75 watt or so. Okay. The 460 will be less than that. So, that's... so both will draw off of the boss power, which is nice. Sure. Less than 75 watt. Maybe it doesn't even really need an active cooling fan. So... But we don't really know much more than that, although we know that the uh, 470 is launching with 4 gig version. Okay. But they will be launching another one, which 
more or less implies an 8 gig version because, well, if you want to face the competition right now, you, you, you kind of need to sort of think about that. Although it'd be interesting to see if it's uh, HBM or HBM2, GDDR5X, GDDR5. Yeah, none of these there are going to be, none of these, they're all going to be GDDR5. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there was very little information given. Yeah, yeah, it looked like there was not a lot. Can you also oh, uh, brought out a gal with a backpack? All right. Uh, as, as we've seen with MSI, uh, this some funny sunglasses too. Backpack computing thing for uh, VR. Yeah, this—they're not the first pushed. person to show this. MSI had one at Computex. Yeah. I think this is Alienware. This is an Alienware yeah, one. I think this I is think. Alienware. And I don't get it. I don't know if I'm cool yeah. with it. I don't know. Well, because you're moving around the room, and all of a sudden you go too far, and the plug comes out, and that's just think how hard your back's gonna get. Just think of how many walls you're gonna run into. Well, I mean, so how long of a power cable do you need, man? It's got a battery. Oh, is it battery? Battery. Yeah. Oh, so it's of course doesn't have a power cable, Josh. The whole point of the backpack is to untether yourself. I've got a good hour. It's got a couple of marine. There was something batteries we just there was something there. we just talked about like I'm a week ago. I'm carrying around 120 pounds of marine batteries. It's gonna last yeah. me three hours of VR experience. Wasn't it two weeks ago? It's awesome. There was a backpack thing that was like you plugged in. You probably plug it in to charge it. Well, we didn't know if MSI no. plugged it in or not. The best the part MSI about it is yeah. every day is leg yeah. day. It's <laughs> <laughs> shoulder day, and lower back day. I just I don't I don't know. A situation I where I need to be untethered from VR so dramatically, and now that you um, need to carry that the I would rather around. have a backpack on. You'd rather buy a completely different computer. Now, to be fair, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If this were, if if we were doing AR, yeah, instead of VR, where like you don't have to worry about like if you walk around your house with this, you're not gonna run into walls and shit, <laughs> right? Maybe you could make the case. Right, but if you yeah. thought people thought, if looked at you oddly for wearing a VR headset, imagine yeah. if you had a backpack with fans whirring through it and like Whing. cables coming yeah. up. You see here. the video of that girl that got like the crap scared out of her in the VR and like she beeline like her her like flight impulse she like instinct just kicked. He beelined right for the corner of the room and ran like face first right into the wall with the, the headset is, on. Is if they would do cheap lithium ion batteries and you're going at it and those things start on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's really immersive. It's getting really warm here. You yeah. You're taking yeah. fire damage. It is a. Uh, and you get the version. So now you got a sling over your shoulder with yeah. another 12 volt marine battery in it. <laughs> it's. Uh, it's. This I don't is, know. This is Maybe? a. This is a potential solution to a problem i think it's I a problem to it a doesn't solution exist. but but i don't think the problem is as dramatic as these solutions create it like now if this is backpack with the system so that like if you do vr demos mm -hmm. if you are a game developer and you want to go around and show this to a bunch of people or you're a hardware vendor right it makes sense to have a portable system just like yeah. it made sense to have a gaming laptop that could do vr so you didn't have to vlog around a system and a display and all the other shit yeah. this I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just I, anyway. What else did they show, have, Jeremy? Uh, we they, we saw Doom running on a Zen, oh. an undefined Zen running at an undefined clock speed. But so it's as good as a Pentium Four. <laughs> it, 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 it was running Doom. <laughs> oh man.
Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's but better hey, than than playing back a movie. It actually, that we was multitasking. Yeah. So this is good, but yeah. it would have been nice to get a bit of information more than this. Zen yeah, shit it's gonna be a while. Ain't around it. It's gonna. It's gonna It'll be, be a while, but hey, it's running. It can support Doom. Ta-da. Ta-da. And the other, the other bit of news on well, the RX Force... Go ahead. So the, the point I was going to bring up earlier oh, yeah. is at GDC, we saw a passive Polaris 11 demo. We okay. did, yes. So okay. that, that could explain a little bit of the 460 stuff. Maybe there will be passive SKUs of that. Right. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Um. All right. Uh, and Jeremy, you also posted the RX 470 benchmarks leaking out, apparently. Um, oh yeah, the uh, pipes have been leaky this week. There's been a few things. This was Hilbert over at Guru of 3D dug through the footnotes of the PDF that AMD released not too long ago, uh -huh. and realized that they'd actually spilled a couple of uh, performance numbers. Now take these with a grain of salt. They told us it was on a 590 or 5960X with 16 gigs and driver version 16.2. We don't know pretty much any of the other settings. But, I mean, they were showing on Overwatch at 1080p. The 270X was running at about 76 frames a second. 121 for the new 470. Hitman, relatively the same. Uh, 28 versus 60. And uh, Ashes of the Singularity, not quite as good at his advantage. 28 versus 46. Firestrike puts it about where you'd expect it to be, firmly in the middle of the pack. But <coughs> it puts it um, above a 80x. Yep. Um, below a 290x. Reaching towards the Titan. Yeah. Well, the original Titan. GTX yeah, 780. Titan. It's above that. I mean, what's that's, important? You know, I think I, if we look at recent, like, so it's below the. GTX 970, right? And I think that's an important qualification for it to hit. And this kind of makes sense with what I have been expecting the RX 480 to come in at, somewhere between a 970 and a 980. Um, yep. So that, you know, leaves a 1,000 points above the 470 for the 480 to differentiate in some way. Um, this is, I mean, depending on if this is a, you know, it be less than $199 because they said the 480 is going to be 199 So if this oh, is 150, 150 man. Right? So like, if this is 150 awesome 170 Yeah, it's great for 150 Yeah. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's pretty damn good, especially because you can afford two of them. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what I can afford. <laughs> or shit. Yeah, but you got a brand new job, Ken. Yeah, that, that, means, that, means he can't, that means he can't afford two of them. At least dying. It means I at least don't have any time to use anything. Right, that's what having a real job is like. True. It sucks, huh? <laughs> right? Man. Uh, all right, let's get into our hardware and software picks of the week. Mm, mine is a tentative one, meaning I'm not telling you to buy it until I spend a little bit more time with it, but I got a handful of these in. These are the Track R trackers. These are little discs um, that have um, watch batteries in them. They are Bluetooth LE enabled, and the app that you install on your phone iOS, Android, obviously supported, is the idea that you pair it up with something. So you put one of these discs around your keychain, or you put one of these discs on in your purse, or your child, on your child, or in a backpack, or something like that. And um, they can help you find each other 
they are lost. Yep. If you can't find your keys, um, the you open up the app and it will search for your device and it will tell you like a hotter, cold, like it won't pinpoint it exactly because it's not a GPS device. It's basically using the signal strength of the Bluetooth for you're getting further away or you're getting closer. Yep. You, have to be, thing. you have to be within Bluetooth range. Right, you have thing. to be within Bluetooth range for it to, to even work. So you have yeah. to have some idea of where it is. Um, and you can actually tell it to chime. Like you can hit a button and it will make a noise. Yep. Right? So it'll help you find your keys if they're like down in a couch cushion or underneath something or whatever. Um, you can actually go in reverse if you have your tracker device uh, but you don't know where your phone is. If you hit the button on the tracker, you have to do it a couple of times I've found before it actually registers it your phone will start to set off an alarm mm -hmm. and it actually turns the volume all the way up too. I did notice this because I had the volume down very low. Oh, cool. I did it and then it, I saw it ratchet the volume all the way up before it started uh, the chime out. So it's a pretty neat little device. Um, you know, they recommend some other options of like you can put it uh, on your pet's collar or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, again, you have to be within Bluetooth range. So well, it's a little bit. So are you sure this doesn't work? I know I know how the tag works, which is kind of the other one of this. The, the, Tag was the dog when you're thinking Sorry. of. Sorry. Tile. 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 Yep. Uh, it works. So if if I have a tracker and... Yes. And you are near my dog. I, I lose... Yeah, and I'm near your, do your dog. My phone will yep. report the location of your dog. Yep. It will really? do that. Yeah. It, will it use uses everyone as a network. Oh, yeah. okay. But that obviously depends on a lot of people having this device around you. And it yeah. makes much more sense in a New York City, San Francisco, like, metro area yeah, yeah, yeah. than it does in a rural area. Because, like, my neighbor probably isn't within Bluetooth range of me in my house. So you could just kill your neighbor's phone by just constantly trying to find your tracker. <laughs> just try and try. Well, yeah. like... It's just Bluetoothing out to try to find... It uses the global, like, my phone would know about his tracker device necessarily, yeah. but the network would. Yeah. Right, so yeah. So it's a uh, three and a half millimeter thick device, 31 millimeters, about the size of a quarter. You know, they even said about like, put one in your wallet or, or your diaper bag. So you can have the condom is. ring on your wallet. And, and it also has um, separation, what do, they, what do they call it? Separation alarms, right? Anxiety. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> separation anxiety. So you can set it so that I always, want, I always know my keys are within reach of my cell phone. Yep. And if the two ever start to separate, they will both beep. Set which one you both want to will beep. Be. Yeah, yeah. You can actually set it which one, right? You want your keys to beep, or you want your phone to beep. You can't do both. You can do both. Okay. If you want, right? So, like, if you accidentally left your keys at the restaurant, you walk outside. Your keys the phone start beeping. Then we did this when I went to dinner with Kelly at at uh, the restaurant last night. Yep. Where at I left Sizzler. my keys in her car, and I walked away, and my phone started to beep. It was BJ's, Josh. Yes, thank oh, you. Okay. BJ's. Uh, mm, take a drink. Big boy. <laughs> Uh, what else can you do on it? You can, um, I guess that that's kind of the, the, that's basically the it. of it there. I think it's tw there are 29 bucks. If you buy a single one, which is a little bit pricey. Um, they say it'll last a year on the battery that it comes with, which does come so it's out. Not, it's not a rechargeable dive, uh, device or anything, but if you buy like four, you get six free. It's like that type of thing. Yeah. Like you buy 120 for 10 of them or something like that. You know, they're, oh. they're trying to sell them in bulk, right? Yeah. So it's it's a pretty neat little device. I'm gonna spend some more time with it over the next weeks, um, and and get some idea of when it works, when it doesn't. Like I don't think it's thin enough to put it in my wallet. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I do like it. I put one on my keys and I put one on my backpack. And it also is really smart. Uh, I just saw this feature where if you're in a home network, if you're in 
own Wi-Fi network, yeah. it disables your separation alarms. So like if you come home and you put your keys on a keychain downstairs and you go upstairs with your phone to go to bed, it's not going to beep and say, oh, my God, oh, where's your keys? Your phone, right? oh, no. It knows you're on a known Wi-Fi network, so it's, it's good that way. Um, so that is, that's Tracker without an E, T-R-A-C-K-R. -R. I believe the URL is thetracker.com. wonder mm -hmm. yes, if they, are they water resistant? Um, they're probably water resistant. They do sell like a silicon sleeve. Okay. Silicone sleeve for it. Um, and they actually sell a metal carabiner as well. So, there you go. That's that's. No, I feel about. bad because I get like an email or two a week from these guys, and I never forwarded them on to you. Yeah, that's all right. They, they, it's it's just I an interesting little thing. I don't know. We'll see. I will we'll see now. How useful it is. Uh, okay, Jeremy. Oh, I ran into a, a guy that I have come to like very much. He's uh, playing around with Arduinos and essentially put up a post about the Internet of Wrongs. So he had a roommate that used a Mac and always bragged about how the Mac's battery was so much better than the PCs. It, it was just substantially better. So he built a little wake-on LAN sender, uh, <laughs> figuring out that Mac's the destination port is 9. It is not for PCs. And so it just constantly sent out a little wake-on LAN. So anytime that little Apple went to sleep, it got woken Apparently, that's pretty good. He meant to just do this for a couple of weeks just to annoy the guy, but he left for a six month job and forgot about it. And left and it on the network. It. Oh no. <laughs> well, he's, he doesn't feel that bad about it. Uh, he also built one, uh, he had some neighbors down in uh, South Africa that were just bugging the hell out of him. So he built what is essentially just generates random SIDs or SSIDs through a wireless network every two and a half seconds. So it floods itself with how wonderful he was anytime you refreshed your wireless networks. And the made, which is the best of all things. All right. It, it just sends wireless D auths to whatever <laughs> you don't like. Get off the network. This one he wouldn't post the code for. <laughs> it's going to come up uh, in not too long. There's a conference that he did present it at, which will release it. So technically tied to him but yeah he just sort of built this for this uh, like any an certain search strings <laughs> that connected to his WAN just sort of de-authed it and what's, what's you'll have the, to look at the software to find radio one that's just crazy what's the hotel that got in trouble for Marriott. kicking people off of their own Marriott it was Marriott no, they weren't kicking people off they, they were, were sending de-auths I thought they were jamming no they were sending de-auths that, that system that they were using had an option where you could tell it to send deauths on other networks. And that's what yep. it was doing. So it was kicking. So that's what it was doing. Hotspot, it would, it would get kicked off. It, you would get kicked off of your own hotspot. So yeah. And this thing is like 15 bucks. Like, it, it's just stupidly cheap what you can do with an Arduino and a couple Ooh, of the $2 Wi-Fi chips. So funny. It, it's dirt cheap and you just sort of put it somewhere and leave it. It's Josh next. Uh, all right. Josh, what do you got? Me. Okay, so I've been using this motherboard for my my latest test bed. Hopefully, they can go to the graphics test bed eventually. The Gigabyte Z170 X UD5. It's you know it's not the least expensive model out there, but it's it's nicely priced. Yeah, it's got the metal bands around 
PCIe. It's got the good audio. It's 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 USB 3.1. Uh, can overclock like a champ. It stays cool. It's got plenty of uh, expansion options. Uh, you know, a really, really solid board that I have enjoyed working with. Um, stuff is just fast on it. And it's got plenty of features. Really solid. I've enjoyed it immensely. There you have it. There you have it. It's a nice motherboard. One seventy one ninety nine on Amazon. Uh, that's good. Okay. Hey, that could be a top tech for dad gift. I mean... I've already got it, so who's going to get something else? Maybe it's for somebody else's dad. Who cares about you? Nobody cares. All right, moving on. Alan. Well, we don't call you daddy, that's for sure. <laughs> well, thank God. Alan, what do you got? All right, got? so this is the thing that costs money and probably shouldn't cost money, but there's a trial that could solve a problem that you might have. Okay. So that's why I'm putting it out there. Okay. It's uh, okay that people sometimes. It's true, you but you probably that. wouldn't need to use this continuously <laughs> unless you just kept having random issues. Okay. Like, there's a thing called, it's, I think it's just safelyremove.com. USB safely remove. Yeah. Uh, so it's crystal an, rich. It's an app. Sweet ass name. <laughs> you know that little that, that little thing that sits down next to the clock that you never use, Ryan. Yeah. That you just yank. Safely the, remove hardware. You just yank the drive. Pull, yeah. Pull, so, the, so pull the drive. This app actually replaces that. It somehow tells Windows to kill that thing. Huh. So that goes away, and in its place, you get this on the tray. Okay. Um, and it does the same job, but if it can't remove your device for some reason, it tells you why. It tells you what is using what file. Mm. It tells you. What is accessing what stuff okay. on the drive, right? So if you've had this Crypto-locker.exe issue... is Well, it could be anything, right? But So if you've had an issue on your system where you're trying to correctly remove your USB things or, or whatever, and it, you constantly get that this device is in use and whatever, and you're like trying to shut down your system just to safely unplug the thing, right. you could find what it was that your computer was doing. So in my case, I had an app that was trying to like index drives and it was for some reason trying to index that USB drive even though I told it not to and I figured it out because yeah. I you know it, there's no windows mechanism normally to tell you why it just says sorry you know like it can't remove it because there's stuff there's stuff you know using it just doesn't tell you what the stuff is um this app mm. does and it does it pretty well and I actually you know I used it actually just today and it definitely gives you the list tells you exactly what service or app or whatever um, has its hooks into Shit, that drive. Shit, man, you can even use command line for safe removal. Uh, you could. <laughs> Automate that. You could. And it handles uh, even like... Uh, Ooh, PCMCIA. Yeah, it handles like SATA devices as well. Like if you want to do a SATA hot swap remove, uh, which is different than a USB remove as far as the Windows kernel goes. Yeah. Um, it handles all that stuff. <laughs> it does it pretty well. Uh, uh, I think it's like 30 bucks. Oof. It's that's what I see. It's kind of steep for just Oof. an app that does that, right? Yeah, um, five bucks. I give you, son. But again, it's like a trial, and if you not. are just troubleshooting a problem, the trial is probably good enough, because you only have to try to remove one time to get the list of what, yeah, kept, yeah you know, what yeah. kept stopping it, right? Order. So, Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, 20, 20 bucks. Still, it's still on the high side for what it does. Still, yeah, there. right. Yeah, it's still it's there. All, I mean, it's only adding one more thing Ooh. to something that Windows already does. Right, it's not like Windows doesn't have a remove thing at all. You it just, it just doesn't tell you why. Let's watch it. It's only two hundred ninety nine. It, it costs more in Cyrillic. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two hundred ninety nine py sixes. Yeah, it's Cyrillic money, right? That's Cyril not real Cyril money. Dollars. Cyrillers. Anyway, yeah, might yeah. be handy for somebody. That's if you cool. got weird That's issues cool. with uh, the. That's weird that the Spanish and the German version also have U.S. dollars. <laughs> That's their <laughs> currency as well. <laughs> for some reason. Well, 
euros, I'll tell you that. Uh, true. All right, so that's everybody, right? I think so. That's it. Ken, you got a pick? Nope. Nope. Not, not, your, uh, not your TV? Thank the Lord. Not I, yet. I haven't yeah, use it. Gotta use it. All right. All right, so that is it for the show for tonight, guys. We thank everybody for joining us. Um, PCPer.com slash Go to that URL. You can find all of the back episodes, uh, ways to subscribe, video RSS, audio RSS, uh, YouTube links, SoundCloud files. Uh, all the stuff is located there. Uh, and if you go to PCPer.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for our, our notification list where we will let you know when we're going to do live streams uh, if you want to be here live and hang out in the chat room and participate in the excitement that is um, uh, burning office podcasting uh, at PC Perspective. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Thank everybody for downloading the show, listening to it. Really appreciate it. Uh, as well as to those of you who are contributors really 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 appreciate that as well it means a lot to us uh, and hopefully more of you will sign up in the coming days as well so with that we will sign out i'm ryan Shrout. i'm jeremy holstrom i'm josh walrath and i'm alan Mullen. bye <laughs>